Greetings and welcome to the Space Cave, which sounds a lot like the Tent Rocks National Monument in New Mexico, because we were just, I'm here with Emily Rose. Hello. And we tried to come to this place yesterday, and weirdly enough, there are two places named Tent Rocks, and the navigation, or Google, or whatever it would be, was not on our side, and we ended up driving a tremendous distance, only to end up further away from where we wanted to get, so now... We're here, and are you looking forward to this hike? I am looking forward to seeing the tent rocks. Yeah, it, we we made it. Yeah, it'll be. It, it feels good just to just to be here. We haven't even seen anything yet, but knowing that we are actually within a few minutes of it instead of two hours away feels really great. Yeah, so we're gonna go take a look at it and try to battle off these flies. And enjoy the peaceful stillness of New Mexico, which is just gorgeous. Try to survive the heat. Yeah. Yesterday's um, journey out of our way took us to the Los Alamos National Research Laboratory, and as well as this Valles Caldera that was just gorgeous. Valle Grande. Valle Grande, also called that as well. Anyway, let's go have a look at these tent rocks, and in the interim, enjoy this chat with Shane Moss, who hosts the Here We Are podcast and is also a really good comedian. Enjoy. Diving in with Shane Moss. We've known each other for over a decade now, I think. Oh my God. It's what an odd journey yeah. we're on. Huh. I think yeah. the period that I met you, I was that I, we met in a staying in that condo in Shreveport. <laughs> and condos at that time in my life were I was very familiar with. And one of the guys, one of the first guys that I worked with on the road was like, it's so weird. You meet someone you live with them for a few days uh-huh. and then you like never see them again and i've never seen that guy again and i remember feeling sad at the end of that week like that'd be was such a bummer if i never saw this guy again i don't remember his name i don't even know if i'd remember his face but the fact that we've stayed in touch and like stayed, yeah you know, run into each other yeah that happens then, yeah so that's interesting and i also feel fortunate about that and i've uh, been in some situations where i'm staying with someone that i like this is like not the per like i don't they're like intense or like something about their personality or uh, is just like yeah not great for me and then also they're like really bad uh <laughs> and like i kind of yeah especially now in my career where i'm like often i do solo shows sometimes i'm like i just wish it was like just me instead of that person bombing before me to have Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i remember but this was like one back when i was still like all about like i love making all these new friends in the comedy community and we were younger and like you know (laughs) obviously you remember me drinking a lot everything else and uh and i was like i was a cool guy and he's super funny so that was (laughs) That was a nice. Uh, those weeks are fun. Yeah, you those like weeks the person fun. and have mm-hmm. fun and yeah, I <clears throat> those guys you're talking about. There's like the hierarchy of levels of well, their act is bad, but your friends from home call and go, "How's the week going? You get good. Who are you working with?" And then you tell them, they go, "How are they?" And you go, "They're nice." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's still not the worst. The worst is if they're a jerk and yeah, terrible. That happens. Yeah. I don't mind when someone's one or the other necessarily. <laughs> no, yeah, not at all. Yeah, the one guy that I that sticks out to me that way, I really just had such a bitter taste in my mouth. Uh-huh. I just hated the guy. I was like, I don't want to be around that. And I couldn't stand his act. And mm-hmm. before the week started, before I'd even seen him, he was like, yeah, I was watching someone special the other day. And People don't like, you know, bang their hands on the table anymore, slap their knees. And it's just like, what's, is it even good comedy? They're just chuckling. And I was like, maybe audiences have just changed a little bit and that's mm-hmm. not as common. You know, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know if I've seen anyone do that in a while. And he goes, wait till you see my act. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Isn't that incredible. And I just looked at him like, oh, he's being dead serious. And then of course wow. it didn't happen. He did six or seven shows or whatever. Never, never a banging on the table moment. Wait till you, holy, wow. Yeah, fully that is like something that, would be a hilarious joke to say like that's the sort of thing that i say you right. know to yeah, like yeah. get a fun laugh being satirical <laughs> holy crap that's amazing it really <laughs> i'll never forget it because I, I my first thought was that to be like <laughs> that's a oh and he's just giving me this the eyes of like you'll see and i was like well this if this is a bit there's no way for him to get out of it to still get a great laugh unless he bombs profusely and goes ah and they go ah it's hilarious you knew you're gonna bomb that way but he he was being so genuine and sincere that yeah i'm one of the best and then he and these guys that they took us they went to hooters because someone had a hook up there and they're all talking about cheating on their partners and i was Mm -hmm. just like the only person there like what is wrong with you guys they were looking at me like well you know it was just it was the closest i think i'll ever come to like a bunch of people with clan hoods on or something what's wrong with you (laughs) yeah (laughs) right right right. weird isolated feeling like i hate these guys yeah yeah i've had some of those for sure yeah but we didn't have that. We no. and then as in comedy as it often goes. Well, we, well the gig was like uh That was rough. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a fun club early on. And then I think maybe it had switched. I don't remember too much about I, I think it was in that bowling center and they gave us bowling stuff. Mm-hmm. Prior to that it had been in a room. Still not fun, but the staff was so fun. Yeah. So everyone would go there and just be like the crowds are miserable, but mm. afterward you have so much fun. Then you can just roam around and be a drunken idiot. Yeah, what we should do is have dueling pianos <laughs> yeah. before the oh, comedy. Is, yeah. Dueling pianos, telling hack jokes, and like destroying. Right? Yeah, murdering to a crowd that's just like, whew. we happen to get some comedy, but we're really here for the piano. Yeah. Now, just comedy, this will be even better. <laughs> <laughs> And boy, was it not. Uh, yeah, that was rough. I was just, one of my one of my friends that was at one of those shows just reminded me of that like a few weeks ago. Like, really? Remember when you like had to lose your shit on stage at like some <laughs> audience member for talking or something like that? I'm like, well, no, I didn't. But uh, <laughs> thanks for that reminder of how awful that gig was. Yeah, I think. Good old Shreveport. Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I had a circular saw i had actually you know what on on uh, on my on my um 111 city psychedelic comedy tour that i did uh it ended about a year ago mm-hmm. um it was it was one of the best things that's ever happened in my career in terms of like almost every show was just like so incredible even even if even on like an off night when like i'm sunday in a shitty city on during football season and only like 30 40 people show up or something and like you know i'm probably not gonna break even tonight but but still the audience is amazing like just every single show and Shreveport was about the one exception <laughs> to that it was a pretty awful time. not that there wasn't good people there but it was it was pretty uh, awful hmm. yeah yeah i was thinking like or i was starting to say like our you know as you sort of drift on or whatever and people go their different ways in comedy mm-hmm. and then there's a period where you lived here and we kept trying to make game night happen and mm-hmm. then you doing my show neither of which happened mm-hmm. but it'd be like every few months be like, hey man want to do my show can't i'm out of town hey want to come over for games i can't i'm out of town and then like yeah next thing i know you're off and about elsewhere yeah and i then, moved about a year ago to portland and then but some in my mind the timeline goes i just remember you i asked you if you want to do something you said i broke my feet yeah and i thought it was a typo and i was like your feet i laughed out loud like yeah i um I was in Malibu for a few years, mm-hmm. I, and then I had um, broken up with my... Or we, we broke up. I don't know who it was. Let's say it was her. Whatever. We weren't a good fit. But my, my gorgeous girlfriend, I'm like living across on PCH across from the ocean. Yeah, we came the over the there. Ocean. We didn't do game night that night, but we came over and we went to the beach and hung out with you guys. And yeah. That was fun. So we saw that place, really cool place. That was such an amazing place. <laughs> yeah. And then um, we broke up and we were still like... 
we were actually better friends than we were um than we were a couple uh-huh. and uh um april macy is her name she's a funny comic um but then we so we were like still living together until like our lease was up or whatever just because we were both on the road it didn't matter whatever we were still friends we had two bedrooms uh-huh. um so like well it would be a little awkward for a couple months and then um and in that time i broke both of my feet while hiking and because uh both of my feet were broken and one of my heels exploded doctor's words um <laughs> i and there was remember how my steps were, there were yeah, in that malibu yeah. place so there's no way uh to like get up there or anything so I, yeah i had to move in um to my parents basement for three months until one of my feet was healed um and so that must have been when i texted you (laughs) yeah he sent me a picture of a like you laying down with a squirrel on you and i was like Mm -hmm. this dude trained a squirrel or Mm -hmm. like tamed a squirrel or something (laughs) and i think that was i think watching from there whether through just updates here there like because we we've seen each other maybe two or three times since then just quick catches up yeah i think in there it felt like when you when you're just stuck just sort of I'm laying down. I can't really do much. I'm going to just day by day, uh, two socks from run dances with wolves, kind of get this squirrel to be my friend. Yeah. And the <laughs> develop, like, I don't know. I would imagine at that point, start certain like life things start to happen of like, how do I want to live my life when I, <laughs> when I am able? And it felt like, I don't know. It felt like to me, like a transitional sort of period in that for you. That was, there's been a few, uh, I mean, before that, I had already started trying to do themed things and and put uh, like science into my act, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think no, I hadn't I hadn't started my science podcast. Uh, here we are at that time. My my first interview for it was meant to be like three days after the time that I actually broke my foot. So then I, that ended up delaying. Um, breaking my feet delayed the podcast being recorded but that was already in in the works Mm -hmm. um and i had already done themed things and the interesting thing was i had written this whole act about um about kind of um the evolutionary function of of like negative emotions like why the utility of pain you know to keep you out of danger or you know Mm -hmm. keep uh, so a signal to take your hand off the burner or whatever it might be. And, and really it was focused a lot on, on the negativity bias of how we evolved to kind of focus more on the threats rather than the mm-hmm. rewards. And I had written this act that was going pretty well. I thought in clubs, I, I was pretty excited about it. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't like an insanely great response, but it was like saying things that were really important to me and doing well enough. And some people were really liking it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I broke my feet and then um, I had to like figure out what I was going to do. And then that ended up, that material ended up like working really well with like, this is why (laughs) we experience. So it gave it this personal level, whereas I was just kind of talking about these ideas and then it tied it into this personal thing. Mm -hmm. And then the audience like really started. It was a good lesson for me in that way of like the importance of trying to find, you know, we're storytelling animals and, Mm -hmm. and the importance of trying to find that connection with people um, rather than like, because if it were up to me, I think I would just be talking about like big ideas on stage now. Certainly when we met, I was a very different comic. Not that some of my <coughs> stuff wasn't like cerebral or whatever, but it was like I was more of an absurdist and I, I was like a dir- much dirtier comic uh, then. I remember you just seemed so new at it to me. You know, oh, I was. And, and like so excited. It was rare that I come from Austin. People are into it by their actions. They go out and like get up on stage as much as possible. But in talking about it, it was you were constantly like in your notebook writing stuff. And I just remember you being like you really wanted to like write the perfect joke or like that was really what made your brain Mm -hmm. work. You know, like, oh, I found this and this. I can't bring these two ideas together. But I know there's a joke there or like Mm -hmm. very concerned with that element to it, which I, I always like when people, whether it's music or whatever, like branch out of that 
whatever their initial yeah. stages. Not out yeah, of that yeah. specifically, but just like, oh, you started here yeah. and you love to just shred solos. Yeah. And then you decided, oh, this makes more sense to me. Or this is what I'm into now. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That was, abs- uh, I mean, because I, I kind of, I had a very fortunate story where I just had all of these, um, you know, I, I caught caught some lucky breaks early on. And so I was like, I was on Conan before, like, before even entering into my third year of stand-up and then mm-hmm. was like a full-time <laughs> headline. <laughs> like year three of stand-up comedy, I was a full-time uh, headlining comedian. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> and And so like I was still sorting out like joke structure and like mm-hmm. how to feel more comfortable on stage and deliver. A, and then like I just kind of had all of my dreams come true after i had all i ever wanted was a comedy central presents it's all i ever wanted mm-hmm. i didn't like want mansions and like i didn't have like i thought a comedy central presents was like that's as grandiose as i'll allow myself yeah, to yeah. even consider and i remember when i had that i was like well now now what am i gonna <laughs> do you know like i i that's a that's an interesting thing I, I sometimes uh, have material about this in, in some of my new act. I've been playing around with that idea of like what you know, what drives us. And like, but like people don't know because a lot of people's dreams don't come true. But like, what yeah. happens when your dreams actually come true? It's it's a very <laughs> it can be sometimes a very different thing than what you expected it to be. And you still have to like keep on going and finding new motivations in life. And that was that was a big change for me. I remember I was like, so I had the half hour. And I was like, well, I guess I do an hour special and put together an hour. And then I just remember being like, these are just like drinking jokes. And like, hey, I don't care about any of this stuff. And mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I started like, well, what what do I care about? What, what am I interested in? And I remember Chris Rock said, well, first going back to your original thing about dreams and whatnot, I think it's only been met with skepticism by by just your average audience when Jim Carrey said like I wish everyone could become rich and famous so they mm-hmm. see it's not the answer yeah. people go well that's easy for you to say you did right. those things but no I it makes so much sense to me that like you still have to continue being a human like, yeah you know, those people do you have the mansion and servants you're just sitting there like skeptical of your friends coming over are right. they gonna think differently of you and life has its own new set of challenges and are people going to be asking you for things they normally wouldn't have, et cetera? Right. Um, that MTV Cribs, you have eight bedrooms and now you can't like really trust any of your friends anymore to even have them over because <laughs> they might steal your shit from yeah. one of those bedrooms. Or give you that heartfelt, like, we've been friends a long time and I, you know I wouldn't normally ask you this. Right. But like, oh, weirdly enough, you're not the first person this week or even today to yeah. have this conversation with me. That's probably what it's like, just guessing. I don't know if it's just that I'm getting older or some of culture is evolving um, that like people are starting to uh, be like, oh, yeah, it's not just about like trying to win the lottery because there's still yeah. people like behind that are like, you know, like, well, I don't want to when I win the lottery, I don't want my taxes being like, <laughs> I went, and like, that's the only thing that they have, you know, they're, they're in like a kind of a dead end job. And their one shot is like, Oh, well, what, what, I, what yeah. do I do to make my dreams come true? Well, I get out there each week and spend X amount of money on lottery tickets. I thought I've never bought a lottery <laughs> ticket, but, uh, there is still so much of that, like leftover from the MTV cribs era. I mean, yeah. we have the MTV cribs like president, right? now you know i think this yeah. would be an interesting wake-up call for for a lot of people but yeah something that i i care a lot about is uh uh like the idea of the hedonic treadmill you know and and uh yeah you, uh, you know you you uh you have the uh, you can stop me if this is like something that you've talked about endlessly on the podcast or anything like that before but the idea of i mean it's really kind of um discouraging uh on on kind of a neurological level of of you have you know you get uh you get ten dollars for doing something you know and you have this dopamine release and like oh this this feels good and and then you know you get ten dollars the next day for the same thing and ten dollars the next day and then you kind of become accustomed Mm -hmm. to that now that's just like the state that you're at that's just your expectation returns and then you get 
$20. And now you get this big dopamine spike again. And then the same thing happens. And and then $40, uh, the same thing. Ha- but then what happens is you go back down to like $30, which is way more like if you would have gotten $30 in the beginning, like, wow, you couldn't even imagine getting, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it would have been this huge release of this reward. And now what's in, you could say $30 million or whatever to make it, it's all the same shit. Mm-hmm. Now that, that what at one point in your life would have been this amazing thing is now like simply not enough. Now this is, now this is like a signal that maybe things are on the downslide and like <laughs> things aren't working out. And then, and, yeah. and, and then the, well, the, I mean, the nice thing is you, you break your feet. Um, and, and, <laughs> uh, and it, and you do go back to like as unimaginable as it seems that you can like lose a limb or something like that. And eventually kind of get back to your, your normal state of of mm. psychological well-being that uh, that whether you're a happy or depressed person in general you'll kind of uh regress back to the mean um so th- that's that's nice when it's those negative things that we can all kind of get through the but uh but it is discouraging when it, when you think you're gonna get like the big thing and then i'll be fulfilled and you reach the you get to the top of Mount Nowhere, and then you're like, <laughs> and everyone else is like, "What's it look like up there?" They're like, well, it looks like a bottomless pit of want up here. <laughs> like that, that, there's just like more endless amounts of peaks to go yeah. through. So the idea, is like from, um, I mean, I guess within academia, kind of the consensus is of the people that I talk to um, is a lot of like trying to focus on these very like small incremental gains you know like maybe doing a few more push-ups than normal you know building a slightly better habit maybe you get a little bit of a raise at work or you get to make a couple new friends or something like that and and not really you you almost don't want that lottery win to happen because it'd be great for a year and then all downhill yeah, we talk a lot of, it comes up on the show a lot, the idea of quests, and, mm-hmm. and which ties into the exact same thing. Like if you have something that you believe in, in your head, I'm going to build this small business from the ground up, everything, every day, every month, every quarter, every year in tax return look is sort of a check mark or a scoreboard that you can kind of, all right, it's trending up, you mm-hmm. know, little gains, little got more trucks to send out into the world i've hired more people to work in the office i've got more crews i you see it building and people build these empires where hopefully at the end of it the quest has a finish line to you because i think people do maybe get there if you are i think it's different in the arts maybe and maybe it's maybe i'm way off that people would get there and be like i had a wing of the hospital named after my little small business company (laughs) (laughs) this little league field is named now what there'd always be something beyond but then Mm -hmm. how do you hang it up how do you retire and go good enough Mm -hmm. and and we just walk around going i did it because i've met older guys that were like that and they were like yeah had a good run enjoyed my career left it at a good place yeah. I think we're in a new, as far as like being older, I think we think about it way more. I think our mental health is so ubiquitous and everyone else's, they share it. You know, so people, the idea of Twitter and one of your favorite people, actor or otherwise, giving you just even a glimpse into how they're feeling or what they're doing at home, it diffuses that notion of like, there are the happy ones and we're just these regular types. Now everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, Anthony Bourdain, like he hung himself. Mm-hmm. My friend Jeff did that a while ago too, or on and on. You know, it just it starts to really level out the field. Like, oh, everyone is just pursuing these quests, and if you're happy on yours, that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's definitely you know, it seems like it's a lot more about the journey than the destination. It does. It seems to me like the finish line. The idea of a finish line is a little bit more of a mirage um, mm-hmm. to to kind of keep us moving and and active and yeah i my kind of um personal take on it i i don't want to like as i bring in some scientific ideas i don't want to give the impression that i know what the fuck i'm talking about right now (laughs) because this is my own kind of uh thoughts about what's happening is that i think that uh, we have uh our evolutionary niche is rather than like a bird that 
figured out to lay eggs on this very specific area of this ridge that kind of hide it away from predators and that's the advantage and so that's like it's one thing that it does like really really good is it can build it into or you know what it, it seems like most species have this very specific thing that they do very very well and it seems like what humans thing is one is is uh self-control which might not seem like um like we have a lot of self-control but it's it's one person explained it to me once like it's like a uh, a cheetah a cheetah can run insanely fast like unbelievably fast mm-hmm. for a very short amount of time and then afterwards it is out like it is that's why like hyenas steal their food because they're one they're tired and two like they're not very strong <laughs> they're just fast so they like chase it down got it and the hyena's like thank you yeah like, that's awful in hyenas self-defense they often get too hard of a time um for being like the thieves a lot of times also what happens is that the hyenas actually take down something lions come Ah. in which are the drive them off (laughs) and then they have to come out and get the and then get the scraps that they actually killed of the animal so i just don't want to talk too much shit about hyenas here i know (laughs) we we get a lot of emails from hyena people a lot of really really passionate (laughs) defenders. (laughs) so um so it is interesting that humans seem to be like that in this you know we have this decision fatigue and whatnot we can kind of uh we can stop ourselves for a second and then execute what we're kind of consciously wanting to do uh, a little more and have a little more impulse control than some of the um, lower primates but uh, but I think what really makes humans special is is it seems like we've evolved for um, for flexibility and just figuring out how to make do in any kind of environment and now so so far uh, so much so that we we can now create an environment uh, like every other species is like how do i work within this environment that i not that there's not like ones that build nests or beavers making dams and whatnot but mm-hmm. but the way in which humans can manipulate the environment is incredible but uh our our D- almost the exact same amount of dna has been a hunter a gatherer and within hunting and gathering that means you have to be like an inventor and and a child care worker you have to be all of the positions that we've now delegated you had to be all of that stuff yeah and now there is like all these delegated you know you'd be an astronaut or or like the guy spinning around the sign to go into the business or like <laughs> just the myriad of different things that one can do with their their lives in in the ultimate pursuit of of you know this inclusive fitness and passing on your genes and caring for your genes and all that mm-hmm. um so so your dna has to be kind of set up with this open sort of like we're going to get out there, then we'll kind of figure out what the environment's like. It's not like a, a turtle where it's like a turtle's born, it goes toward uh, the light because it's usually the moon and then you swim into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's city lights and it goes the wrong way and yeah. it's dead. Well, humans have this more like, well, let's go out there and assess things for a while and, and our our parents will like kind of raise us and show us the ropes for a while and then we'll kind of figure things out on our own. And so I think that when someone is like the meaning of life, because it seems impossible that there's one single like unifying meaning Mm -hmm. in life. It seems like meaning is more subjective and contextual and, and uh, many things can mean many different things on many different levels for different people in different situations. It seems like that idea that there is a finish line, that there is a meaning is something that is more of just like this evolved thing prodding us in the ass, um, like in arbitrary directions Uh, i always think of it as humanity as an organism just across the whole planet not not necessarily like mold on a bread on bread but if you were the architect behind it and say it was the bacteria that crawled out of the sea and was like okay we need to be safe i mean this is we're just we're we're protozoa right now we're so susceptible to anything Mm -hmm. crawl into like something get some vertebrae going like you maybe be a fish for a while okay this is a start now we've got eyes to move us around we we're mobile here we go (laughs) but as you proceed and crawl out of the and that's dicey like we're crawling out we feel like the land is an opportunity and they crawl out and there's almost like little creatures and machines driving us around as they grow into mammals and then us you would have to keep 
you'd have to keep something in them to make them keep going. Yeah. If your overall design was like, get them in skyscrapers, get us in robot suits, and get us out there in the universe. Get all this bacteria out there. But how do we do that? Well, they need to feel like their lives are consequential. Of course it's not. We're the ones that matter. We're the bacteria. They're just carrying us. Well, let's give them these concepts, you know, and now we carry them around like, I've got to build this whatever, whatever, your small business, the rock wall in your backyard, your model airplane. We all have those things that like life is worthwhile. And I think that's way too cynical. Mm. But when I go down that route, that's kind of what I think about well, I mean, it's, it feels like an instinct to me when looking at it. Because, like, right now, um, I think that we're having, like, a, a interesting, sophisticated conversation about these big ideas. Like, a meaning of life. Let's, we're going to tackle it. Like, this is... We're old enough. We're informed enough now to have these kind of conversations. And and in my mind, there's, like, listeners just having their minds blown right now by how smart and interesting we are. But if you think back to... Um, how when you started having these ideas of like what is this life about Mm -hmm. i mean for me like and i think a lot of people like yeah pretty early on pretty like i most people seem to say between like five and ten years old yeah i think we can agree that five to ten year olds don't know a fucking thing uh you know they're not they're not having other like really sophisticated uh uh, conversations i remember i would driving my dad would just let me sit there quietly for like 30 minutes. And then finally he'd go, what are you thinking about? And I, I knew what I was thinking about, but I couldn't explain it. I didn't really have the language. Mm. And I, I think I probably knew I'd sound dumb. So I just started coming up with like three or four general topics that I could say. And he'd go, Oh really? And it would be like a horse or, you know, a pet or something. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh really? Just sitting over there for 30 minutes thinking about, our pet cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do remember just even little things about symmetry or just why uh-huh. things were the way they were. I think kids think about those sorts of things and maybe feel a little bit vulnerable to say, why did that tree grow right there? Why is it the only one in this whole field? Or just something as dumb as that where like they're starting to look at the landscape of of the, the game they've entered into. And if you've never heard anyone talk about this before, you might be, you, you might, when you're young, um, be picking up on like, well, I might, maybe I'd be subject to ridicule or something. Yeah. Especially once, once you start going to school and like you, <laughs> yeah. you, you can't just like say whatever you do, uh, play like whatever kind of make believe all of a sudden there is like judgment within your peers and, mm-hmm. and everything else. But, but definitely I think that is, uh, a pretty clear indicator to me that this is this is an instinct like this this is in us this isn't you don't have to be some great philosopher right or I've whatever. read all the right books and finally these ideas have nested and hatched right now I can discuss them no no I think you're right I think it is just inherently in us and then it's just a matter of like do you want to go look in that room because when you see the guys with the shaved heads and the Oakley glasses and these are the rules, man, this is the <laughs> rules of this world, they, I don't think they've spent a lot of time looking in that room to yeah. question it or wonder about it at all. Right. Well, there's also uh, another one of my favorite um, topics is like the uh, the kind of evolution of... of uh, self-deception and and confidence in particular and like how important confidence is like almost sometimes less important to actually know the thing and more important to believe you actually (laughs) know the thing (laughs) yeah because this is a confusing world and sometimes uh, a lot of us are like looking for answers and we've evolved to be this social species and there's information to be gained from others and sometimes we're like well that guy sure seems to think he knows what's going on like maybe that maybe he does know what's happening it's like they do studies with um he just grabbed that machete and marched off i guess i'll follow i guess you just grab a machete and march off is as good as idea of any others that i've he did it so confidently (laughs) so stoic he just had this absolute demeanor that he knew where he was going i'll follow him anywhere and then dead five minutes later yeah so people tend to uh see seems like 20 percent it seems like we've we've evolved to and tests uh estimate our our abilities and 
attractiveness or whatever it might be by about 20% when they test people against what reality actually is. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's like enough where like, it'll give you that boost of confidence, which seems important. And I don't think confidence is everything as, as someone who's had a lot of self-esteem issues in life. I think there's been benefits to being introverted and like questioning things and second guessing and third guessing things. I wish I could though within that, because I think we're very similar in that regard. I wish I could be a little bit more steady within it and not have it impact me or, you know, find it, find a confidence within that. Like I know when I go to a party and I don't know people there, I can psych myself up and be like, just walk over and introduce yourself. I don't, I do, I do, I get there and I just become eight year old me again. Mm-hmm. Like, oh boy, this is, and it's not like I'm not running through thoughts of they're going to hate me or any of that. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't like this and I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know what to do and I don't really want to think about it. I'll just stand here and I hope they have some chips and dip or something like that. But I, when I was playing basketball, there was a year where uh, the coach had told us all this crap at the beginning of the year about, you miss a practice, you miss a game, you miss two, you're off the team. Well, we had this superstar on our team who played my position and he would show up drunk to practice, late to miss entire practices and the coach would still put him in the game. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd play like five minutes and then, so it really messed with my confidence. Like, oh, he thinks so little of me. And granted, this dude is great, but man, I mean, he needs help. He's showing up so drunk sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I would, I remember one game getting in and I, I was wide open and everyone was like, shoot it. And I just was like, oh, it didn't even occur to me to shoot it because yeah. my confidence had been. I, ha- I was like, I have that exact, I can access that exact memory of my <laughs> own of when I did the exact same it's thing. It's a weird feeling. Uh-huh. And then later to go to like playing with my friends just kind of out in the park or whatever and getting my confidence back up and making really difficult shots. And yeah. Like, oh man, it's so weird how those confidences so not to interrupt you on like what you were saying oh about no introvertedness I've... and things like that but 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 confidence seems to be this pretty big uh, like night in in studies 90 percent of people think that they're better than average at driving or intelligence and and, and, and then uh, you know this is the average of this is a large sample size this isn't that there's there's all sorts of individuals that think that they're uglier or dumber or whatever than they then matches reality as well yeah. so that's important to um bear in mind but but it is it's uh it's my my favorite study is is uh they take a picture of you and uh and they morph it like they make you ten percent more symmetrical twenty thirty. Oh, the 40. one where they well, there's that one where they did the symmetry. They just doubled up each half of your face, so there were two versions of you. There's you with double left and you with double right. Mm. And people like they just put these photos around campus. And so, like, you know, have you seen this person and things like that? I think they did this at Notre Dame. Some people walked right past themselves. Yeah. Just so, un, like, that's not, that's not me. Right, right. <laughs> uh, this one is um, kind of a little bit similar in a way, but they also, like, made people uh, 10 degrees more wonky, 20 degrees. And, ah. and so you had 11 pictures. Mm-hmm. One of them, the real picture, five more attractive five less attractive to varying degrees of each. And then you scramble them all up, flash them on a screen to people. And the average person, uh, when trying to identify themselves, the picture, the thing that they've looked at in the mirror for their whole, picks a face that is 20 to 30% more attractive (laughs) than themselves, which is like kind of, I, sometimes but how do you define attractive in that sort of scale just based there? on symmetry and gotcha, and okay. and then you could use independent um you know you could ask people sure. independently to rate the attractiveness yeah, of, yeah. of a of a person which is like symmetry is another interesting thing because that's uh, they had the they kind of figured out that symmetry is an attractive trait because there was this there was this criminal um like psychologist no this was long enough ago there was no such thing as like a criminal psychologist but someone came up with the idea of like criminals are like a type and so we'll take this criminal database of, of all of these different mug shots and this was like in the early days of photography too so i'm not even sure how the guy pulled it off but he took like all the negatives or whatever and put them together it was like one of like the, it was like the world's first face morphing yeah uh trying to be like this is what the perfect criminal <laughs> looks like and it turned out to be a gorgeous uh person <laughs> because because most of attractiveness is is 
is um, like superficially is is just the absence of, of flaws mm-hmm. uh, for the that's like your base level attractiveness. Then there's other things like ooh, someone has an interesting mole or whatever. But yeah. but a lot of it is like it's it's evolutionarily and biologically exceptionally hard to make an organ uh, organism that is very very symmetrical. And so to be able to make something symmetrical, that means that one probably good genes two hasn't didn't have any like big environmental insults early on in life that like shaped the uh its symmetry and so it's it's a it's a possible indicator that uh certainly this person has good genes or at least has had a fortunate enough life or stayed out of trouble enough to Mm. have a symmetrical uh, uh, face which is like you know this is a good enough assessment for an organism to make if you're just like running into a stranger for the food you do need to make these base level assumptions and yeah and everything else but yeah so so that's so just the idea of of confidence and confidently like going into things is, is and and like believing in yourself and everyone's like that's the key if you go into like a self-help section and say it's like you gotta believe in yourself yeah. and you just and i think that's a lot of like that factors into this assumption of like there's like one singular unifying meaning in life not only that but i'm probably on to it you know <laughs> and, I, and i think it's more the case that we're all kind of aimlessly kind of going in arbitrary directions and like some of them are well that maybe leads me to as we've traveled down this Shane Moss kind of evolution to a certain, you kind of touched on, you know, I'm just doing drinking jokes. I'm not that excited. Mm-hmm. About it. it made me think of this Chris Rock quote where he was like, you know, same thing. He was like, I decided at some point if I'm going to be telling these jokes, and sometimes the crowd's just not into it, I should at least be into it. If I'm in Cleveland, I at least want to be talking about something that interests me. Mm-hmm. And he's at, you know, like nothing against Cleveland, which of course there's always something against whatever city you're saying. And at that time, Cleveland had nothing going on. So it was, it, you know, hilarities wasn't there well before kind of the things are like, Oh, there's a thriving downtown now. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But I think like, not only you like trying to, cause the thing you just said that it's like inside everybody and that you like to think that maybe people have decided, you know what, I'm just going to grow a garden and I'm not going to think too much about what I am, why I'm here or what all this means. Little simple tasks in front of me. Try to enjoy it. Those people do quite well a lot of times. And as, if you can get yourself to do that, why wouldn't you do Because you're, you're controlling your immediate happiness. And so when you go into, say, trying to do that to build an act, or I think maybe is that when like pharmaceuticals start floating in to... Those are different corridors you can go down and see really dark, you know, rooms that not a lot of people see, or at least theoretically. Like, aha, I, I went into this cavern and I obtained this little nugget, this little gem. When I bring this out to reality and tell them, mm-hmm. they're really going to flip out. You mean the does, psychedelics when they yeah, enter yeah. my life? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, does, I always thought that. And I've done very limited amounts of drugs but like when i did you know do mushrooms or things like that it really would kind of awaken something in me like Mm -hmm. oh this is good like i like this thought that i just had and if i can remember it when i'm done with this Mm -hmm. and take it with me somewhere maybe it in a way sort of molded me or it attached itself to me and now that's a part of how i think Mm -hmm. so that's a lot of i think about that a lot i'm like is uh are these ideas that i'm on to are they getting me closer to reality or do they just sound really good? <laughs> like, is it, is it like, is this idea of mine just going to make me like sound really interesting on a podcast and get attention for me that drives my career forward and whatnot? <laughs> or is it like, I don't know. And I'm not sure that our consciousness is necessarily, our, our, our subconsciousness is, is necessarily, it seems like, um, what our subconscious does is creates a story for us. And, and it seems like our, our subconscious, non-conscious, unconscious, whatever, has access to a lot of the raw data and kind of picks and chooses what it shares with our oh, consciousness. Yeah. It's bizarre. I mean, you, and I think that's why people microdose now and stuff because the feeling of, oh, is that actor's name? That's uh-huh. maybe not there as much. You not only know that actor, you can see v- vibrantly their IMDb page mm. that you visited once. Like, this is weird. I don't know why I'm suddenly accessing this, but they're from blah, 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 Texas. You know, oh, the connection's made. I mean, uh, LSD, MRI, you can see just the, oh, oh my 
this is what a wonderful coincidence that I happen to be at this conference and I happen to, so here's like just a, a metaphorical chart of like what's happening in the brain, but they've been doing MRIs with, with um, like LSD and the number of connections that are being made. And then when you're on LSD and the number of connections being made to different regions of the brain is incredible. That, that makes it seem like, Oh, is this a superpower? Well, there's reasons why our brain separates certain things and why we, yeah. um, colors and shapes are a thing that need to be differentiated and then you do like do mushrooms and you can see music all of a sudden like oh is that good for you uh, who knows <laughs> but um but it's it's definitely like that's pretty well shown that uh, you're you're accessing a lot of these other regions it shuts yeah. down this default mode network that's like the supervised like all of these regions of your brain these different like inside out kind of like different personalities in your head are kind of all kind of bidding for attention from your consciousness that is sort of how how i view it and sort of been i I don't know i go back and forth with how legit this stuff is but but it seems the default mode network is dampened during um many psychedelic experiences which allow all of those regions of the brain that are like trying to get your attention are all you can hear them all at the same time which (laughs) leads to a lot of confusion but also makes for these really novel um associations and and good for creativity i mean this is a lot of if you go into pitch a tv show you're like this is like this show plus this show Ooh, you know that's kind of how we think about uh, things is making yeah, yeah, and 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 mem- memory. It seems like memory is this. We have this associative memory where, like you're saying, you're trying to think of the person's name. Like, okay, I remember they were in the the uh, they had like the, a mustache. Um, and now you're like thinking of every mustache related yeah. thing and they're a painter. Now you're accessing every painting related thing. And they were kind of, there's like a thing with time and then you're accessing all that. And then eventually like you get five of these things together, they think, and then you go Salvador Dali <laughs> and, uh, and mushrooms and psychedelics definitely open up a lot of those connections so much. So that can be really confused. I've, I've had, uh, I mean, in the documentary that I just made about psychedelics, I went crazy in it because i was going overboard um, um, with them but let's take a little break then and and talk about that we'll come back next week for part two with shane we'll get a little bit more into psychedelics and the journey and his experiences with that keep an eye out for the documentary psychonautics i like that shane moss well we made it we saw the tent rocks we hiked into the slot canyon we saw the cave what was your favorite part um, really liked the slot canyon. <laughs> uh, it was it was a canyon. Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, I really liked all the different layers of rock. Apparently, they were developed by two different processes: mm-hmm. ancient volcanoes, prehistoric volcanoes, really, and then uh, erosion. Yep, it was nice. It was pretty. It's a little daunting to look up and you see the cracks in the rock and big, really uh, intimidating looking chunks of rock just precariously hanging over you and that have clearly fallen um in the past yeah probably the distant past but still seeing that they have fallen and that um i we would have been crushed had we been standing there yep but we lived yeah and it was really gorgeous New Mexico very peaceful is insanely pretty and Mm -hmm. hi to carlos who lives here in alamogordo i think is that one of the cities it's something like that hello carlos and we love your state. This the Valles Calderna was good. Valle Grande, War Valle Grande, uh, fantastic. Saw some elk out there and some prairie dogs. The um, prairie dogs had numbers written on them, which made me think of Rachel Chalk, who studies small mammals. Hmm. She had probably done something similar. They look like little m- mammalian race cars. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've enjoyed our stay great state of new mexico it's gorgeous if you're traveling or visiting the united states i highly recommend it mm-hmm. and prior to this trip when we came out here we went to a live music concert by this group who's touring the united states currently here's some music from middle kids thanks for stopping by the space cave